we want to take this time to ask if there's anybody has anything on their heart before we before we uh, continue with the Word of God. Yeah. A group of people who have changed. Not even, I'm not even going to say it's affiliated with one party or the other. There's just an evil presence in our country. Uh, the video that you sent to me helped me to, to gel some thoughts about that. Uh, when we see the violence, I don't know what's caused it. I, I, I know that it started out as a school teacher, I saw it, uh, as, a, as a child, as a growing up teenager, whatever I saw it. Uh, and then as a school teacher, I saw there's been a change, a progression in the affinity for violence in our country. Uh, I can remember, and as most, I don't know about the girls, but the or the women, but I can remember the, as, as the most men do here, if you would see a fight in a schoolyard before, you would see whoever knocked the other one down, you would back away to see if the older one would want to get up and wanted any more. You don't see that now. You see them knock them down and stop them. And, and, but that's just a, a symptom of what's going on in our country. Mm-hmm. And then that's progressed violence on a, on a scale that I didn't think I'd ever see. Uh, I was reminded that there was something similar that went on in the early 1900s uh, in our country. Uh, anarchists, this is not new for our country, but in the, in the early 1900s there were anarchists that tried to burn the building But I think that even that has progressed to such a point. And I think the only thing that can save us uh, is for God's people to pray for. And, and I'm not saying that the United States I'm sure that there was a remnant in Israel that prayed for Israel to return, but it didn't, and it was carried away into bondage. 
But that remnant that prayed for it, I believe God blessed. So it's not a matter of getting what we want. It's a matter of doing what God wants us to do. Mm-hmm. If, that, if that's making sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just think that we need to pray. You know, we're going through something in the next couple of months or three months or whatever that uh, it's going to be difficult for us to live through. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, I, I I would I would tend to agree. Uh, I would tend to agree quite quite uh, quite vehemently uh, with uh, with what you said. And uh, it kind of goes along with what I with all I got. Um, well, I got for you this morning. I, I'd like to take uh, I'd like to take from a scripture reading this morning. I like for it to, it's going to come out of. <clears throat> let me find my place here. It's going to come out of the twenty seventh chapter. It's going to come out of the twenty seventh chapter of the book of Matthew. And we're going to start in the eleventh verse. Matthew chapter 27, verse 11. That's where we're going to start at. And I'd like to, uh, I'd like to title my, uh, my message this morning, Answering the Accusers. Answering the Accusers. Um, that's happening a lot right now, isn't it? There's a lot of accusers uh, in the world today, not just in, in our society, but in the world today. There's a lot of accusers. I mean, you'll get accused of anything without the slightest shred of evidence. And and we think we look at that and and in our lifetimes that's foreign because we're used to the to innocence until proven guilty. We're we're used and we're accustomed to concepts like due process and those are typically they 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 kind of Come more out of the Anglo-Saxon um, line of thought. We're we're used to those types of things, but we're not seeing that now. We're seeing rushes to judgment, and we're seeing accusations handled as proven fact. And and from now and and now that the, what and the expectation is not any longer. That the guilt has to be proven beyond the shadow, beyond the reasonable doubt. Instead, it's innocence that has to be proven beyond reasonable doubt. You can't do that. <laughs> That's impossible to do. We got perfect instance of this in Scripture. Actually, there's a lot of them, but I'm going to use this one to start us out. This is Jesus before Pilate. Now we need to do a little background. Uh, the Jews, uh, the Jews, they, they, and I'm, when I'm, I'm going to be specific, the the Pharisees and the scribes, they hated Jesus. 
Um, they viewed Jesus as a threat. They viewed his teachings as undermining their teachings because his teachings were true and their teachings were erroneous. Um, and so they were always seeking a way to trip him up so that they would be able to have something to accuse him of. Um, they eventually they eventually were able to, to patchwork together some false accusations. Uh, and and those things were able to be uh, enough to have him brought before the Sanhedrin, and we see that's where we find him at the beginning of the twenty seventh uh, of the twenty seventh chapter, and uh, and so actually in the twenty sixth chapter, and then at the beginning of the twenty seventh chapter, that's when he's he's brought in uh, to the Sanhedrin. Uh, conversely, we see Judas who has uh, who had betrayed him in the twenty sixth chapter. He's uh, remorseful. Um, but he doesn't place that remorse in the proper directions because he doesn't know the Lord. He knows him naturally, but he doesn't know him spiritually. He's not a saved man. Uh, and so we get here, and they, and they have accused him, and they have brought him to Pilate. Now, there's a couple reasons as to why they brought him to Pilate. One is because of custom. Roman custom when they took over a place was that any any charge that was a capital charge, which is what he was guilt which was what he was accused of, he was accused of a capital offense. He was accused of blasphemy uh, in the Jewish uh, tradition, and uh, and and the the uh, the sentence for that was death. And so any death sentence, the Roman government would proceed over that. He over that adjudication, right? He, they were the ones who would make the ultimate determination of if he would uh, would live or if he would die. And so, in the eleventh verse, we see we read and it says, and "Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews?' And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest.' And when he was accused of the chief priests and the and the elders. He answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him to never a word. Insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. And so I want to stop right there. It's 11 through the 14th verses. So what do you do? Now, a lot of people would say it's a false accusation when you look at somebody and you say, everybody's a sinner. And no, we're, we're sinners by nature of our birth because sin is passed down from fathers to the children. I uh, had a conversation with somebody this week, and, and, I, and I said... You know, this, there's this teaching in the world, and, and we've talked about it here before and, and taught it, and, and we're all in, in basic agreement on this, on this principle, uh, that when we're born by virtue of our natural birth, we're not children of God, we're children of men. And, and how that it takes a, uh, a rebirth, right, to be born from above, that we become adopted into the family of God by virtue of a new birth. And uh, and that's when we become the sons of God, uh, the sons and the daughters of God. When we're when we're born again, uh, and uh, as a child of God, uh, it, it does not happen when we're 
naturally born. Uh, the struggle was, well, what happens to kids? Are you saying if the... No, I, I told him, I said, no. I said, I believe that a child is under the watch care admonition of the Lord. I said, I believe there's plenty of uh, evidence for this. They're under the watch and care and admonition of the Lord until the time that they um, become sound enough in their reason to understand the difference between right and wrong. I said, and then... From that point forward, it's incumbent upon them to be taken to church, to hear the truth of God's Word, to, that, that they have to be born again, and the reasons why they have to be born again. Now, we have here an instance in the Scriptures where you have the Pharisees, uh, and I'm going to just say it's the Pharisees and, uh, and the scribes. Um, they are, uh, they've brought these accusations uh, as it pertains to Jesus Christ, uh, and, 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 and it's based upon false testimony. Uh, this is a big time, this is a major infraction of the moral law of God. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Uh, and that's exactly what has occurred here, is false witness has been born against the only begotten Son of God. I, I do want to say to back up that first point, if we're all children of God by virtue of our natural birth, then there's not one, only one begotten Son of God. He's the only begotten of the Lord. The only one who was a, the Son of God by virtue of natural birth, because he's not conceived of the seed of man. So we know who the players are, Right? Pilate's the judge. The accusers are the Pharisees and the scribes, and really the whole of the Sanhedrin. And the accused is the only begotten Son of God. It's Jesus. Who are the accusers? We see this in today's society, don't we? We see people running around and leveling accusation after accusation after accusation. Who are they? Who are they taking apart? Who are they partaking of? Uh, who, who are they? Who are they kindred spirits with? Uh, we read about the interaction that Jesus had with the Pharisees um, when they are given the profession that they made the recognition that it was their fathers that had stoned the prophets back in earlier days uh, and uh, uh, and they made the sanctimonious profession they say, they say, and I'm paraphrasing this, they say, and had we been alive in the days of our fathers we wouldn't have. Jesus' response to them was very simple and very plain, and he says, You be witnesses against yourselves that you be children of your fathers. And then he said, Fill up the meat or the measure, and what that really means is the measure of guilt of your fathers. And they did exactly that. Now, but who are they? Who, who do they take? Who do they take kindred? Who do they? Who can they claim kin, kinship with? Uh, in a spiritual sense, who can they claim kinship with? Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take it over here to the twelfth chapter of the book of Revelation, um, and uh, and 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 we're gonna look at this. Uh, but before I do that, actually, I want to go to the book of uh, I want to go to Second Peter chapter two, and, and we're gonna read about. About, and I think it's. I think we can almost take it verbatim as to what we see today, 
uh, in this in in society. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptuous are they, self-willed, not afraid to speak evil of dignities. And that should be and that can be also looked at as dignitaries, right? People of state. Whereas the angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation. And so we see this juxtaposition, right? Uh, versus uh, versus uh, those that walk after the, the lust of the flesh and, and in the uncleanness of the flesh, and they despise government. These are anarchists, isn't it? That if you want no government, you are an anarchist by definition. And, and that's largely the movement we see taking over today, isn't it? Uh, that's, that's anarchy. They're, they're, wanting, uh, they're wanting the dissolution of government. And so as a juxtaposition, Peter says in the 11th verse in the, in the Bible, he says, Whereas the angels which are greater in power might, they bring not a railing accusation against them before the Lord. So that obviously gives the imposition that that's what they do, is they bring railing accusation, don't they? Um, that they accuse day and night. Verse 12, he goes on, he says, but these as natural brute beasts. What does he mean by that? Meaning they have, uh, they have ignored the one thing that, that, is, that separates man from the animal kingdom. It's not our physiological things. It's the ability to reason. They have, avo- they have abandoned reasonableness. That's, that it's something that they have no part of. That It's going to be their way or the highway. And if you don't fall in line with it, then you're going to have a price to pay. That's, the, that's where the Pharisees find themselves. They are brute beasts. Uh, contending with the only begotten Son of God uh, and expecting Him to capitulate to their view and when He won't capitulate to their worldview, then we've got to come up with some way to bring Him to an end. And that's what they did. And, and that's playing out again today. Uh, and this is played out at different times, at various times throughout uh, the history of mankind. Um, we can go to the book of Acts. If we look over in the book of Acts, uh, Acts of the Apostles, we'll read about Stephen. We sing about Stephen all the time. Uh, when you read about what Stephen uh, uh, faced uh, there in the book of Acts, uh, one of these days I'll get over to the right chapter. When we read about what Stephen faced, um, it says that he was a man who was full of faith and power, and he did great wonders and miracles among the people. Um, And then in verse 9, this is in chapter 6, it says, And then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the the Libertines, or Libertines, the Cyrenians, the Alexandrians, and them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with with Stephen. Now, this is how you know that they've abandoned reason. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. 
In other words, the talking points they had, they couldn't refute Stephen's talking points, but it didn't matter. Uh, in the 11th verse, the Bible tells us and calls us, it says, and then they suborned men. Now what that really means there, when it says suborned men, uh, it really means that, uh, that they bribed some men uh, to come and to make up a story and to bear false witness against Stephen, and that's exactly what we see. Uh, it says, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. That sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? They leveled the same charge that they leveled against Jesus uh, against Stephen. In the exact same way, uh, by, 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 by bringing false accusers, bribing people to say what they would want them to say so that they would have uh, instance to, to bring him up on charges uh, before the Sanhedrin, that he would uh, have that they would have the the opportunity uh, to declare uh, him guilty unto death. Uh, now Stephen goes on a, a great uh, a great defense of the history of Israel and Judah, uh, and even that isn't enough to convince them. Even that isn't enough. To convince him, uh, them that Stephen uh, is innocent. Uh, but instead, uh, it says, And they cast him out of the city, and they stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And in 8.1, it says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. Saul of Tarsus wouldn't have any bit of what Stephen was trying to sell him. Because he was... He was completely sold out into the doctrines that he had, into the traditions and the doctrines that he was raised with. And it may have been, it may even be traditions and doctrines you weren't raised with. It could just be false doctrines that you've been taught uh, and you are so zealous over those things. Uh, you take those things and you act upon them. And, and Brother Carter said he, just, he couldn't imagine how we get to the place where people act the way they did. Well, they've done it all throughout history uh, and they do it in the same way. They take a false teaching uh, that, that teaches... Uh, that they are to hate somebody, uh, and they uh, act with zeal over it. Uh, Paul pointed this out in the book of Romans. Uh, we go over to the book of Romans, and uh, I believe it's in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm going to double-check myself. Uh, I believe it's in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. It is, and, and Paul writes in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is uh, for Israel is that they might be saved. Uh, he says, listen to this, for I bear rim record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. You see, they had, they had a zeal. Uh, they were very zealous in their actions. And Paul could speak from a place of knowledge about this zeal because he exhibited that zeal uh, toward the church of God, going so far as not only being consenting to the death of Stephen, but also going and seeking permission to challenge and to persecute the church of God wherever it was found in the earth. And he was on his way to Damascus to do that when God called him into question. These people are 
children all right, but they're not children of their father. We go over to the 12th chapter of the book of Revelation. We read about a war that takes place. In verse 7 it says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels, and prevailed not. And neither was their uh, place found any more in heaven. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Now there's the problem. There's where a lot of the fallacy comes in is because it comes in in the form of deception. Uh, people fall for a type of teaching that is a deceptive type of teaching. It teaches lies and fallacies and, and, they, and they, they buy the narrative, don't they? Isn't that what happens? You look at the country that we live in and you say, I don't understand how our country is so split. It's because half of the country has bought into a narrative and the other half has chosen to not buy into the narrative. Now, I don't buy into the narrative not for the reason that I think the other side is more righteous than the other because I don't. I think given the options that you have, you have to say one's better than the other. But I would say the righteousness is questionable. I would also argue this uh, and say this, that you can also look at what the Bible teaches about the things that are being espoused, and you can say there's a side that I would rather be aligned with. I would rather be aligned with the side that says I I would rather uh, acknowledge uh, what God says in the first chapter of Genesis, in the fifth chapter of Genesis, when it says male and female created he them. I would rather side where it says that children are the heritage of the Lord. I just, I would, I personally side there. Everybody makes their own decision. But you look at the actions that are taking place. The actions that occur. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. God asked him in the book of Job, where have you been? Walking up and down in the earth to and fro, seeing whom I may devour. That's a paraphrase. Tenth verse, he says, And I heard a loud voice saying, In heaven now has come salvation and strength, and the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ. Now listen to this. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. See, the accusers are by their very nature children of Satan. Their very acts declare it. How do you fight it? What do you do? I mean, how do you come against it? Uh, I, I would argue that really to stand and argue with them is not going to get you anywhere. I believe that's why 
Christ was so silent when he stood there before Pilate and Pilate's asking him repeatedly, repeatedly, this is the charges that are brought before you. What do you say to those charges? I believe it's Brother Williams that, that says quite often uh, when we're in the, in the context of business meeting, uh, we don't bring up negative things because how do you prove a negative? How do you prove it? And how do you disprove it? Especially when they're not, especially when, will, when reason has been abandoned. I say you can't. I think that's why Jesus was like a lamb before a shears dumb. And he spake not a word in such a manner that Pilate's left in a state of amazement. He marveled. Because our nature, our nature is if you accuse me of something, I'm going to the wall, right? I'm going to go to the wall. I'm going to contest it and I'm going to argue it. Usually, you're the one who ends up being sold by the narrative as being proven guilty by contesting the charges. Let's look at this. We go on down. 23rd verse. Sorry, let's back up. 21st verse. And the governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye release... Will ye that I release unto you? And they said, Barabbas. See, they had a tradition. They had an option. They always released one uh, during that week. And they said, uh, so they had Barabbas, who was a known criminal. I believe you, the Bible says he was a murderer. Uh, he was a thief. So they had the choice between Barabbas and Jesus. And so Pilate thinks he's given a very easy, uh, reasonable, a very reasonable... Now this is the thing. You, you don't typically think of Pilate as being reasonable, do you? Pilate thinks, in, and no doubt in his mind, as most of us would, that he's given a reasonable juxtaposition, right? He's given a reasonable option here. Do you want us to release this murderous robber? Or do you want us to release this guy who you guys have accused of something but have no proof of? Whether of the twain of uh, uh, whether of uh, the twain will ye uh, will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And they didn't say it like that. They cried it out. They said, Let him be crucified. 
They said it with zeal, and they said it with gusto. We don't want away with this man. Prophesy not in Israel anymore. And they wonder why God divorced Israel. <laughs> like I, there's a lot of things I have issues with, with as it pertains to the eschatology that believes that Israel is going to be reconstituted and all of that. And, and, uh, but one of the things, that, one hurdle that I can't get over is that God is somehow going to be rejoined to a wife that he gave a writing of divorcement to. When the law of God says that if you have given a woman a writing of divorcement, you are forbidden to remarry her. He has an espoused bride in the world today, and it's the church. Collective. The church collective. One day, that's, that's the church collective right there. We're the church individuals down here. Every individual church. They said, let him be crucified. And the governor said, why? What evil hath he done? What has he done worthy of death? The simple answer is, and the honest answer is, nothing. But we know the plan of God having the, having the, having the luxury of being on this side of being on this side of the crucifixion, uh, that just as with Joseph, that what they meant for evil, God intended for good. See, it was through the, through the crucifixion of Jesus Christ that, that we would all have a way whereby we would be able to be reconciled to God through the, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, uh, through His life's blood being poured out on the ground there at Golgotha uh, or Calvary, uh, hanging on a cross after having been beaten by an unruly mob that was unreasonable. But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. You're not getting out of this, Pilate. And we sit and wonder why government officials side with the mob. <laughs> they will always side with the mob. Regardless of how righteous you're you're, you're, you believe your government to be the the govern those in positions of power when faced with an unruly mob will always side with the mob. Pilate saw that when he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. It's not that easy, is it? You see, as an, elect, as an official, whether he's elected or appointed, I believe Pilate was appointed, uh, as, as an official in the civil government of God, you got the, you got the responsibility of being a steward of God, right? To carry out, uh, the work of God, ordained to do the work of God there. And, and you can't just follow the crowd and go along with sin, to go along with a work of unrighteousness. In this case, it was go ahead and kill him. 
He said, see you, see ye to it. See ye to it. Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do sin. That's what Pilate did. Then answered all the people and said, Now, I, listen, folks. Listen to what they said. Now, Jesus is long-suffering, and he is merciful. He's infinitely more merciful. He's full of compassion. But what's said here by the, by the I'm going to say Judeans, right? Because they're in Judah. Israel doesn't really exist anymore because it became Samaria. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. The mob doesn't care what the means are. However it comes about, it's just a means to an end. Whatever it takes, whatever price we got to pay, we'll pay it. Whatever guilt we've got to take upon ourselves, we'll take it. They took upon themselves the guiltiness of the only begotten Son of God, whom the devil, through Pilate, declared just and innocent. So we shouldn't be really um, surprised when we see the things that we see going on today. We should really be... Think, I, I, I see what's going on. And I say, I've seen this before. I've, I've studied this before. Judge all things as spiritual. That's what the Bible teaches us that we should do. Judge all things as spiritual. And, and being as such, all things have to be juxtaposed. Have, all things have to be weighed by the Word of God. I think that's why the Church of Berea was so uh, was so um, why I look up to them so much. Why they were such a such a good example for other churches? Because every doctrine that came before them, they didn't rest upon what was told to them. They searched the Scriptures day and night to see if it were so. Oh, oh, if we would just do that. Oh, if we would just do that. If we go over, and I'm going to close with this. If we go over and we look... And it might have been in math in Mark. I can't remember. No, it's in Luke. It's in Luke. Right here. In Luke chapter 24. Look, if the mob comes, the best defense is no defense. I, I'm sorry. 
I know that's not comfortable for a lot of us. I'm not talking about a physical offense. I'm talking about a verbal offense. Christ never opened his mouth. He never said a word. The, the more you talk, the deeper the hole you dig. The truth will be borne out in what happens, won't it? We go to the road of Emmaus in the 17th verse of the 24th chapter of the book of Luke. And it says, And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one with another as you walk and are sad? Two men walking, walking away from Jerusalem on their way to Emmaus. Long-faced, sad. They're not happy. Think about the zeal and the gusto that was just ex- just demonstrated at the crucifixion of Christ. Oh, uh, crucify him! Let him be crucified. We have a, we have here two men who's left there, on their way to Emmaus, long-faced, talking about what they have just witnessed. Now, this would have been obviously it had to be after. He had been resurrected, and it was. He was resurrected at the beginning of the first of chapter 24. So they had stayed there for a few days. As they walked, and he appeared to them, and he asked them that question, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And that reminds me of two other people who were sad, and a child of God came into them, and asked them what they were sad about. Joseph in prison in Egypt. To the chief butler and the chief baker having been imprisoned. Being long faced. Joseph comes in in the morning. Looks at them and asks them why they were so sad. And one of them whose name was Cleopas. Answering him, answering said unto him. Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? So obviously he's not a stranger in Jerusalem. And hast not known the things which were come to pass there in these days? I love, I love, the, I love the way the, the Lord has a great sense of humor. And he has a tremendous sense of irony. And he said unto them, What things? <laughs> what happened? Hadn't heard about it. And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth which, Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. That's who all the righteous blood, beginning with Abel, was held at the hand of. Jesus said, you sit in Moses' seat, and because of that, all the righteous blood, beginning with Abel, will be required at your hand. And these men here on the road at Nazareth, back it up. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And he did. And how? And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. 
Isn't it amazing? On the day that the Lord's resurrected, he goes and he shows himself to, to two people who are downhearted and sad. Folks, there's one that can lift us up in the face of all this, and it is not the news. And it is, it's not even one another if we're coming in any way other than in the Spirit of the Lord. And I'm going to close. Yea, and the certain women also of our company made us astonished as it were early at the sepulcher when they found not his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels and that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even, even. So you know these are some disciples, John and Peter. We found it even so as the women had said, but they saw him not. You know, even after everything that John and Peter had gone through, they still couldn't believe that he would be resurrected. Then he said unto them, O fools, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. Folks, it's just going to happen. For those I didn't send that to, I'll send it to you. There's a woman who called in on a, and I'm going to close with this. There's a woman who called in on a show. I sent it to Deb. Did she show it to you maybe? Let's forward it to Rick. But uh, she called in on a, a, the show of a, of a guy who hosts a, a show on a YouTube channel, and he has Colin's show on there. And she called in from Germany. She was from, she was from Africa. You could tell by her dialect she was from Africa. She sounded, it sounded like you were talking to Brother Paul or, or brother, uh, uh, brother Tom or one of them. Uh, you know, uh, she, she was talking in that, in that, uh, uh, with that accent. And she just went into a, really a diatribe is really the best way I could explain it of, of, of saying, why do you think a lot of these things are happening? She said, we've been praying for your president since March. Folks, we need to be praying. We don't like the things we see in our country. We better be praying. Uh, in America, the churches have gotten too, too accustomed to not praying. I believe a lot of the things that we've witnessed over the last six months have been an effort to convince us not to assemble, not to pray, but to abandon our faith. If we do that, we will most assuredly fall to the fall to the mob.
Jesus did, but it wasn't because of a lack of strength. Jesus did because that was the plan that God had in place. Let's be praying. We need to be praying. Instant in season. I know that has a prayer, that has reference to Timothy's charge that Paul gave him, uh, that he were to be instant in season, out of season, ready to preach at any time. Uh, we need to be praying without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That's my message today. I pray that uh, that it will do you some good. You want to overcome railing accusations, it's only going to happen with prayer and by the providence of God. That's the only way.